0: I want to encourage you to do that because again we're a part of the kingdom of God. That's what we're studying this year. We're talking about life in the kingdom of God and today I'm excited because we're beginning a a new series about what it means to to be the people of the kingdom of God and I want to challenge you to do something. In John chapter 17, go today and read all of John chapter 17. It's a single prayer. It's one of the most powerful. And I would say pretty prayers in all the Bible. It's Jesus praying. And he's praying not only for the disciples who were in front of him, but he's praying for us. And I always love to hear Jesus pray for me. I always love to to hear the words and, and to read the words that he prayed for us. Because in verse 20, it says that, that Jesus prayed uh, not only for those disciples who were with him at the time, but also for those who would believe in him through their word. And and this was to be in fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Again, Isaiah talked about um, this work that God was going to do. And God promised that he was going to raise up a people who weren't looking for him. He was going to raise up a nation out of these people. It says in in Isaiah 65, 1, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. Those, Jesus said, would believe, have believed. And they have become the people of the kingdom of God, and we are those people. We are the people of the kingdom of God, and we are described in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of, who, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, But now you have received mercy. We are the people of the kingdom of God. And in this series, what we're going to learn and, and understand is what we have as the people of the kingdom of God. We're going to study the book of Acts. And we are encourage you, if you didn't get one of these, to get one of these. You can get it at the 1040 Cafe. And what it is, it, it's it's the book of Acts in in a, a small form. And on one side, it has the scriptures. And on the other side, it has a blank page for you to write notes. So you can get your bulletin, fill out your notes. You can put it in your, your booklet there. You'll have all the Sermon notes and the ways that God speaks to you as you're continuing to pray. We're going to be doing four books of the Bible uh, next year, so I'd love for you to get used to to using one of these so that by the end of next year, you'll have five books of the Bible and notes. Uh, What we're going to do today is is we're going to we're going to understand something that we have that is so very significant. Everything we're going to study is significant. But as we lay the foundation for who we are as God's people, we're, we're going to look at one of the great gifts we have, which is the power of God. As the people of God, we have God's power. And that, that power, it's not something we have naturally. It's something that comes from God. It works in us and then through us. Now, we are all made in the image of God. Every human being is beautiful. We are, we are ornamental, if you will. And we decorate this planet. But without the power of God, we don't shine. Without the power of God, there is no illumination of his love and life. You know, every, every year around Christmas, I love to watch the TV version of Christmas vacation. And, and I love, you know, Griswold as he's decorating this house and he can't get it to work right. Something is missing. Let's watch this together.
1: What's all they
0: yelling about? What the. What's going on here? 25,000 twinkle lights.
1: What's he doing, Bob? I have not the foggiest. What? What is the hell? Good, <sighs> oh, good, good! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah! 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 I love the look on his face. He's worked so hard. He's one of these ornaments to shine, but they can't shine without power. We are made in the image of God. But without God's power, we will never shine and live the life we were created to live. We need God's power. And as God's people, as the people of the kingdom of God, we've been given God's power. And so what we see in our text today is what we can know is what we have in God's power. Now, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. And what we're going to see here is the beginning of who we are, where, how we came to be. You know, it's funny right now. A lot of people like to take these tests to kind of find out what's my family line, where where am I from, what what, 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 my, what nationalities am I from? You know what I love about the book of Acts? This tells who we are as God's people. This tells where we came from and, and how it is we came to be. So let's all stand together in, in honor of God's word. I'm going to have Ali Beth come and read. Uh, we're in Acts chapter one, and she's going to read for us our text, which is Acts 1,
1: that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power with, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth.
0: The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Allie Beth. If you would go ahead and be seated and pray now for the the preaching of of God's word. So let me give you a little background on the book of Acts. The book was written by Dr. Luke. Uh, He also was the author of the gospel of Luke, and he is a historian, and, and he's giving us a history. He joined the story uh, of the Book of Acts, and, and he was a part of it. So, in Acts sixteen ten, I put this on the screen. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So. Luke became a part of the story of what God was doing in, this, in the early church in the book of Acts. And we know he's a physician because of the shout out that the Apostle Paul gave him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. And I imagine it was a great blessing for the Apostle Paul. He was in his 50s at this point when Luke joined him. By this time, he'd been beaten to death, uh, almost to near death, like four or five times. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd gone through all kinds of personal, physical pain and suffering. So I'm sure it, it, was, it was nice to have a doctor alongside to help him deal with, with the, a lot of effects of what his service had, had caused him. Now, what the book of Acts does, is it records the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Rome. And this is what was commanded in verse eight, that they were to take the gospel from that that beginning place in Jerusalem and it was to then go to the rest of the world. And what what we see here is an explanation of how Christianity is the one true faith. How Christianity is the only true faith. It is the only truth concerning God. And, and, And this church, this church that comes about is the fulfillment of the promises of God. It has stood the test of time. It's interesting to know the the defense that the book of Acts gives us concerning our faith. See, this book was written around 62 AD. And what's really significant, and one of the things that you kind of might miss as you're reading it along, is these names in the in the book of Acts and in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, they're very important. These places are very important. Let me tell you why. Most of those people were still alive. Most of those places were still accessible. And if there was anything in the in the Gospel of Luke or the or the book of Acts that was not true, it would have been proven false but none of it was proven false. And so what we get with the book of Acts is not only the the wonderful story of our beginning as the church, but we get the absolute confidence to know that all the gospels are true and accurate, that what was recorded in the book of Acts and what happened through the epistles and on with John are all true and historical and actual. And we who are spirit-filled know, we know that these words are the word of God. The Bible, the New Testament is the infallible errant word of God. It has been true, proven true. And, and so what we get is this assurance that the scriptures can be counted on. We know that the Bible is not a collection of stories. We know it's a single story in four parts. Let's say out loud what the four parts are. They are creation. And so what we have here in the book of Acts is the pickup of the story after the rescue. Jesus Christ has already died for sin. He's been raised. He is now in the process of of experiencing uh, the ascension. So for 40 days, he's giving proof of his resurrection and he's teaching these guys and he's preparing them for life in the kingdom of God and and the many things that we have as the people of the kingdom of God. What we see in our text, there's, there's four things I wanna show you of what we have in God's power. What we have in God's power, four things. The first one is this. As the people of the kingdom of God, we know the potency of God's power.
1: The
0: the, the potency. This is not benign power. This this is a power that that changes and that works. The the gospel of Luke, don't turn there. The gospel of Luke ends with the ascension of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put it on your screen. This This is Luke 24. These are the last few verses of the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, that is Jesus, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And this is where the book of Acts picks up. And so what what we see in verses one through eight is the conversation that Jesus had right before his ascension. He's talking with the apostles about what they need to understand about his power and what he's going to do. The explanation of the potency comes in our our understanding of the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is alive in those of us who believe. The same power that parted the Red Sea for the people of Israel is the same power that's at work in our lives and around our lives. It's the same power. And this this power, there's potency in it because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's proof in it. And and the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, he was saying, I want this power. I want to experience this power. So he says uh, in verse 10, that I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. And so you'll find in in Acts, you'll find in all the gospels and really all the epistles as we study them next year, you'll see over and over there's this pointing to the resurrection. Look in verse three. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so what we have in Jesus is not not only the purchasing of our sin, Not only did he pay for our sin, which is a part of the cure that we have in Christ, there's a double cure. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 speaks to it. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So Christ Jesus, dying on the cross, took on our sin. That's why when he cried out to the Father, the Father turned his back. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and because there is sin, there must be a payment, and Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin. That's one of the cures of the gospel, but the second cure is this, we're changed. Not only are we forgiven, but we are made righteous in Christ because the presence of Jesus in the Holy Spirit makes us holy. So we are transformed, we are born again, we are new creations in Christ because of the power of the gospel. This is the potency of this power that is at work. Friends, let me ask you a question. And I want you to notice what I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you, are you a good churchgoer? Notice I'm not asking you, are you a good person that does your best? Mm -mm. Here's here's the question you need to answer this morning. Have you experienced personally the power of the resurrected Christ to forgive you of your sin and give you new life? If you haven't, you're a beautiful ornament. You've been made in the image of God and and you have eternal value. You matter to God. But here's the deal. Although you are a beautiful ornament that, that announces the greatness of our God, there's no light shining from you. There's no power because you don't have the power of Christ alive in you personally. And that needs to change today. That changed about 30 minutes ago as a young man came to to talk with one of our staff and says, what does this mean? How do I experience this? And they were born again. This is the power of God. Have you been born again? Have you experienced, you have this new life? Please don't leave until you do. The second thing to, to take note of and remember, as the people of the kingdom of God, we know the promise of God's power. This was not a coincidence. This coming and, and this work of the Holy Spirit, this was not something that happened. Everybody was like, wow, heaven was like, wow, look at that. I didn't see that come, no. God promises. look what it says in verse four. It says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, why? He wanted them to wait for the promise of the Father. See, the Father had promised that the Spirit was gonna come. This, this was a part of the plan of God from the very beginning. The prophets in the Old Testament and the last prophet, John the Baptist, spoke to this. Uh, let me give you three of my favorites and you need to have these written down and remembered uh, as, it, as it pertains to the study of the Holy Spirit. Joel two twenty eight. Joel two twenty eight says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all the flesh. Now notice the capitalization of the S. That is, the, that is the title of the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. And, and at the time of Pentecost, that's exactly what Jesus, what, 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 what the Spirit came and did. Just as Jesus said he would, just as the Father said he would through the prophets. And Ezekiel. Ezekiel, even though that's a complicated book and it can sometimes be a little bit intimidating, Ezekiel was writing to people in times like ours, dark times, times when we felt our exile, felt unwanted, uh, felt the pressure of trying to figure out life in in a difficult and very changing world. Ezekiel 36, 27 says this to the people of God. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the potency. This is the power. This is, this is the promise that God said would take place. And so John the Baptist, again, the last of the prophets in Luke three sixteen, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, it, it's, it's funny when you look at verse six, the, the, the disciples want to know, all right, are you coming back? Are, 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 we about to, are, are we about to see the new heaven, new earth? Is this everything? And Jesus is like, boys, boys, guys, no, the, the, those times and seasons, they're not for you. Now, it's important. It's very important. Jesus spoke often of his second coming. And friends, that is a great motivator for those of us who believe. And so again, it's, it's important that we remember what, what Jesus said. He said a lot about his second coming. Uh, John 14, you, you would do well to memorize this. My, my pastor, our, our, our pastor, uh, when I was saved, he would quote this at almost every funeral. John 14:1. let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And on to verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Think about all that Jesus promised in his lifetime. He promised that he would die to pay for sin and be raised on the third day, and he did it. He promised that the Holy Spirit would come, and he has. And and he said that he was gonna come again, and friends, he shall. It is undeniable, he will return, and we will experience. You wanna praise God for that? That is good news. And we will experience, not as a theory, but as a reality, Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the form of things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And that is to come. But Jesus was saying to the guys, look, as important as this is and as great and as awesome as this is, don't focus on that. You need to focus on the power that has come, that is coming. And you need to fulfill the calling that I have on your life. Yes, be encouraged, be motivated that that heaven is your home and you're headed that way. And whenever you're discouraged, always remember... God's people win in the end our king is victorious and we will reign with him forever and ever but until that time as Jesus told the disciples then we've got to stay focused focused on what God is doing now focused on the promise that has been fulfilled and this promise and this power is a person write down and remember this third thing as the people of the kingdom of God we know the person of God's power the person. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Friends, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a he. He is a person. Now, I don't want to get too caught up in existential philosophy, but we need to understand what makes a person, a being, a being. First of all, there's cognitive thought the capacity to have independent thought as a person. Secondly, there is a will, a volition, a capacity to act beyond instinct. Animals act purely on instinct. We who have been made in the image of God, we act on will, on volition. We have a capacity to choose that goes against our natural desires because of something greater that moves us, having been made in the image of God. So we have being, we have person, we think, we, we have will and we have feelings. We feel and we are able to understand those feelings and they have a significant impact on our, our capacity, not only to, to, to live and do, but, but, but the way we think. And so as a person, the Holy Spirit, three things. He thinks he he wills and he fills now this comes from i'm gonna we're gonna post this online later what i'm about to give you you've seen before if you've been around here i preached on the holy spirit the doctrine of the spirit about four years ago in a, in a series from easter to pentecost to celebrate pentecost i real quick want to remind you why we know that the holy spirit is person okay three things as as a person the holy spirit thinks personal thoughts he thinks personal thoughts. 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by using wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, taught by the Spirit. Th- the thoughts of the Spirit, taught by this person, the Holy Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The- as a person, the Holy Spirit thinks personal thoughts. Secondly, wills personal actions. 1 Corinthians twelve eleven. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills, as He determines, not because of, of anything that is forced, but because He chooses it, because He wills it. And third, as a person, the Holy Spirit feels personal emotions. Ephesians 4:30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, 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 and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He feels grief. And when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. When when we do not honor Jesus and the gospel and and we walk in the ways of the flesh depending upon ourselves, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And this person, the Holy Spirit, he guides our thoughts, he inspires our actions, and he moves our hearts. He moves our hearts. And and friends, it's it's sometimes very difficult to navigate your way through life and, and to remain encouraged. Here's what the Holy Spirit does for you through the word. The word of God constantly tells you what is true. And because the spirit of God is in you and his power is at work, you're able to interpret that word or have a friend tell you that word that is true. And so your your mind moves your emotions. And because you're thinking godly thoughts and you're feeling godly affections, it leads to a godly lifestyle. Some of you are trying to be good people. Some of you are trying to figure out what am I supposed to do now? What actions am I supposed to do? Don't start there. Start, what are you thinking about God? The most important thing about you is how you answer this question. Who is God? Whatever you think about God will determine everything else about who you are and the way you live your life. So once you can understand who the God of the Bible is, And you can feel the love of this amazing, glorious, gracious God. It will change the way you live. And you will be able to walk in the peace of God. And you will be able to fulfill what the spirit of God was given for. And that's the fourth thing I want to show you. The fourth thing we need to get as the people of the kingdom of God. We know the purpose of God's power. The purpose. What is the purpose of God's power? Look at the last part of verse 8 that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God gives us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can serve his purpose well. God does not give us his power to waste on non-kingdom nonsense. That's what I would call it. Non-kingdom nonsense. So so many people want to talk about the power of God and the manifestation of something that won't matter 200 years from now. The most important thing about the work of the Spirit of God is what will matter a million years from now, a billion years from now. In that time, it won't matter what you suffered. It won't matter how hard it was. It won't matter the the challenge you faced. All that will matter is that you had new life in Christ Jesus, our Lord that you were forgiven of your sin, were made righteous and filled with the spirit of God. There's nothing more important than that. And God has given us his power to make known his grace so that there can be new life in those who would believe. He didn't give us this power for this this non-kingdom nonsense. You guys know I love Dr. Tony Evans. And Dr. Tony, he tells one of these great stories about a a, a muscle builder um, that went overseas to Africa. And he he went to this village and he was doing doing a show. You know, he's pumping, he's flexing, he's showing all the different muscles. And afterward, the chief came and said, that was amazing, that was so special. We've never seen muscles like that before. He said, well, and the chief said, To him, so so what else can you do? And the guy said, Well, I can do this, and I can do this, and I can do And, and the chief said, That's great, that's wonderful. Can you do work? And he said, No, I don't do work. I just do this and this and this. How many of God's people they don't really do the work of God? They just want to flex. They just want they want everyone to see how important they are, they want to feel important. And so when they talk about the work of the kingdom of God, it's I, it's me, it's I, I did this, I. The work of the kingdom of God is the work of God. And we get to be a part of the work of God. And what is God doing? He's bringing new life to dead souls. He is giving a resurrection power to all who believe. So friends, there's nothing more important that you and I can do with our life than to make disciples. There was a young man that came up to one of our staff members just a, just a little bit ago and said, okay, what do I do? How do I have this? What do I, wh- how, can I, how can I experience it? And you know what? He was able to walk him through three circles and to begin the three big things training so that not only would he be a disciple, he could make a disciple. Let me ask you, what if I grabbed one of you, and if you're a visitor, I wouldn't do this to you, but if you're a covenant member of Living Hope, What if I grabbed you and said, listen, I've got to go talk to someone else. I need you to talk to this person. I need you to make them a disciple. Could you do it with confidence? Would you absolutely be ready? Yeah, put me in the game, coach. Friends, we all need to be disciple makers. And to be confident, you need to be competent. So here's what we're doing this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Anybody that wants to do it, head to Scottsville Road. That's our campus on Scottsville Road. Pastor Will is going to be there to train you in three big things. He does it better than anybody. He trained me. He does it better than anybody. And I would encourage you to to take time to go and just, just learn this very simple way of disciple making. And what you'll see as a part of this, and I showed this to you last week, I want to show it to you again, is the impact map. To make disciples, it requires intentionality. And so what it looks like is this, that bottom circle, you put your name. And then those three circles that are connected, you write the name of three people that you believe are not walking with the Lord. And you start praying for them. You may even start fasting for them. And you ask for the miracle of new birth. And you share with them the truth of the gospel. And you do that with three circles because it's of course the best and easiest way to do it. And then if they repent and believe the gospel, you make them a disciple. And there's three three things. Very simple. Believe, be baptized, and be an ambassador. And, and, and again, you need to be trained to do that. But here's what I know. I'm talking about this life, and I'm talking about this power, and I'm talking about this purpose. And some of you cannot, you cannot experience what I'm talking about because you're not saved. You've not been born again. And you're you're wonderful. Don't get me wrong, you've been made in the image of God. But there's no light in life because there's no power. Friends, don't leave until you've experienced this power. And we're gonna have some leaders here at the front that can talk with you and help you as we have all day. Now, if you have been born again, ask yourself a real simple question. Am I living in this power? Or am I frustrated? Am I angry? Am I constantly feeling confused and overwhelmed? Friends, those are not the emotions of people who are walking in the Spirit. There's freedom in the Spirit. There's joy in the Spirit. There are the fruits of the Spirit. And and if those are lacking, it's probably because you're doing a lot, a lot on your own in your own flesh. And you need to repent of that, Christian, You need to repent of that child of the God. You need to repent, people of the kingdom of God, and rely on the Spirit of God. Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. Uh, Care leaders, if you would come forward. Father, we are so grateful for this wonderful gift of eternal life we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And Jesus, again, we've celebrated you already, but just one more time. Thank you, thank you for coming, living a holy life, dying for our sins. Being raised on the third day and thank you that you're coming again. Holy Spirit, thank you for, for coming as you promised and I pray now that you will help your people, the people of the kingdom of God. Lord, there's some who are frustrated and scared, some that are overwhelmed, some that, are, that have been passive, they feel the conviction that you're really pressing them to, to be obedient to the purpose of making disciples and I pray that you'll hear them as they pray right now, Lord. We need you, Lord, you know that. That's why you sent the helper. So help us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.